Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us in the episode of Student Perspectives, the podcast where we talk with student pharmacists about their unique challenges and opportunities presented throughout their professional journey. My name is Tess Bernstein, and I am from MCPHS University in Boston. And my name is Sarah Lighty. I'm from Purdue University in Indiana. And today, we will be chatting with residency program directors, Dr. Kathy Dennehy, Dr. Ben Gross, and Dr. Jose Ray about pharmacy residency recruitment during COVID-19. Dr. Dennehy, UCSF School of Pharmacy. Dr. Gross is at Lipscomb University College of Pharmacy, and Dr. Ray is uh, at Nova Southeastern University. Thanks for joining us today, everyone. First, I wanted to take a few moments and chat with you about your expertise. Can you tell us a little bit about your institution and your residency programs? Sure. Um, So this is Kathy Dennehy. I'm from UCSF. My history with UCSF is that I was the residency director there for 16 years. Our current residency director is Dr. Amanda Morris. And so I just want to give a shout out to our current director, uh, Amanda. UCSF currently offers 12 ASHP accredited PGY1 residencies. And we may actually be increasing this by two to 14 positions in 2021. Uh, We have nine uh, PGY2 residencies, three in oncology, two in pediatrics, two in critical care, one in infectious disease, and one in solid organ transplant. Our core rotations for PGY1s are ambulatory care, general medicine, critical care, and medication use and outcomes. And all of our PGY1s have about 50% of their rotations as electives, and at least two-thirds of their experiences as direct patient care. Our residents participate in a research course with other interprofessional practitioners, which is a unique aspect of UCSF, and that's the training in clinical research course. And the course helps them to think through the logistics of the research project and the process of research early in the year. They also participate in a research certificate and teaching certificate program. Because UCSF is affiliated with the School of Pharmacy, our teaching opportunities uh, are both rotational with IPPE and APPE students and can also involve large group teaching and small group facilitation. The operational experience for our PG-1 residents involves satellite and central pharmacy exposure, code blue coverage, and serving as the pharmacist in charge. Hi, this has been Gross. Uh, Lipscomb University College of Pharmacy has... Um, several programs. Currently, I serve as the PGY2 director of our ambulatory care program, which is affiliated with both a primary care medical practice and a federally qualified health center. But we have programs in psychiatric pharmacy, PGY2 programs, and a pharmacy informatics PGY2 program. Both those are affiliated with Vanderbilt University Medical Center. Uh, we have community pharmacy uh, residency programs. I actually have two independent pharmacies. And we have our traditional PGY-1 pharmacy practice, which is in, in a community rural hospital um, in Columbia, Tennessee. 
And then we have, at the time was the second, I think there's many more now, uh, PGI-1, PGI-2 uh, combined uh, pharmacy informatics program, which includes experiences both at the corporate level and then also the community hospital. Well, hello everyone. My name is Jose Ray. I'm at Gennanova Southeast University. We offer four programs right now. I've been the residency program director for 25 years of our PGY2 in psychiatric pharmacy practice. We also offer two slots in community pharmacy practice. We have a community pharmacy on campus that we administer where we run clinics as well as services to the community. We have two slots in our PGY2 in ambulatory care pharmacy practice, and that one has a strong ACO uh, association and a strong call center association as well with serving pharmacy benefit management corporations, insurance, that sort of thing, Icuba Cares, that. So our community practice and our ambulatory residencies are disseminated, not just within the college, but in even family practice and private practice settings throughout South Florida. And then we also have two residency slots in San Juan, Puerto Rico that we administer. We have a campus in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and that's a PGY1 pharmacy practice that is just a couple of years old and based out of community and teaching hospitals in Puerto Rico as well. Now, again, since it's a college of pharmacy, we have that academic focus and our students and our residents, of course, are expected to teach in both the didactic and clinical settings, even with these challenges that we have today with COVID-19, for instance. So we're looking for folks who are enthusiastic about teaching, both in the didactic and the clinical settings. And I'm actually the director of the teaching certificate program that we have at Nova Southeastern University called the Italics program which is very strong, probably 90% are residents in the South Florida area, about 25 to 35 folks, live components, giving them didactic teaching opportunities, even if they're based in a hospital that is not specifically associated with Nova Southeastern University. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, that sounds like a unique variety of experiences that would really be exciting for students to participate in. So for our next topic, um, we wanted to comment on the COVID-19 pandemic and how it has brought many changes to the way we practice, how we care for our patients, and even how we engage learners. So how has your program specifically adapted and changed with respect to the experiences of your pharmacy residents? Uh, this has been, again, for the perspective of the kind of amateur care practice, Patients at a time were kind of unwilling to even see providers or even see specialists uh, for regular visits. So our pharmacy team was kind of uniquely positioned to um, help take care of those patients. And so in essence, we kind of expanded the service during this time. Most of our residents have really enjoyed managing patients in that telehealth environment, partly because just because of the opportunity and also the ability to reach a larger patient population that we never thought we'd reach before. Um, it's challenging. We teach that a lot of challenging, trying to engage patients, especially building relationships um, and providing meaningful results. But just like students, residents have adapted to the environment and developed strategies to overcome some of those kind of obstacles to really reach our patients in a very meaningful way. Well, when it comes to, actually, it started with my last resident since COVID happened pretty much to us in March. My last three or four months of my residency program, that resident had to be very flexible, had to be adaptable, and go into more telepsych. 
and interact with patients through either FaceTime or Zoom meetings. And in a psychiatry residency, that could be a little challenging. Our, our patients might have some paranoia they're dealing with. They might be worried about technology. They might have some aversion to interacting since they already think the television is talking to them. Now the television is talking to them. So we, um, we had some challenges there in our psychiatric patient population. Our ambulatory and pharmacy practice residencies embraced telehealth as well and did a lot more interactions with patients in that setting. I would say that that is now possibly becoming the new norm. It depends on how we go in the future in the next eight months, 10 months, 12 months and such. But we did not stop interacting with patients. And that's really an important message is that we use the technology available to us to maintain contact with our patients and to maintain the interprofessional activities. We, we saw just a brief drop off when other professionals, whether it was physicians or nurses or other healthcare professionals, kind of also went virtual in these virtual interactive interprofessional team meetings or patient rounds. So that was a bit of a challenge, no doubt there. I would say that our future challenges for our next pharmacy residents will be a bit of a time management thing when it comes to scheduling Zoom meetings or scheduling these uh, virtual meetings with patients. And we will have a bit of an extra challenge with focus, both for our patients to focus on the interaction and the conversation and for our students and residents and caregivers to focus and not be distracted with maybe what's in the home environment or with something else related to technology that can be a distraction. But we are not giving up on interprofessional interactions it's just that they've changed a bit to us, and we have to be a little bit more enthusiastic, if we can, to try to embrace this technology and just make the most of it without sacrificing patient care. Well, I just want to springboard off of what uh, Dr. Ray just said, uh, because at UCSF, we're also, especially in the ambulatory care environment, and we've converted our visits, uh, many of them from in-person visits to video visits and phone-based care. And, and just emphasizing this does not take away from the core care that's being provided. It doesn't take away from teaching opportunities where residents can have students that are shadowing them, APPE or IPPE that are uh, listening in on that visit. Acute care rotations at UC remain in person. So gen med and critical care residents will be rounding with the team and uh, going in to see patients. Some other rotations where we have immune compromised populations, such as hemonc or transplant, have moved to Zoom rounds in lieu of in-person rounds. And this is really to protect patients from the total number of in-person exposures that they have. But again, that experience that the resident receives, whether it's in-person or virtual interprofessional team rounds, it doesn't change the skills of the resident, the skills that we're trying to build or the responsibilities that the resident will have. It just changes how we're delivering those experiences. In the classroom for teaching, the School of Pharmacy has shifted their teaching, uh, pretty much most of it to online administration and virtual delivery. And uh, rotations that are administrative, such as the medication use and outcomes experience, residents are working remotely there. For operational learning experiences, residents do come on site and work in person in the main pharmacy and the satellite pharmacies. So it's a real mix of in person and 
and virtual, but overall the core responsibilities and expectations are the same. So in line with the COVID-19 discussion, as residency recruitment season is fast approaching, many of our listeners can't help but wonder what the process will look like in the COVID-19 era. What, if any, changes does your program plan on implementing to adapt to the times? I'll, I'll jump in here first on this one. We will adapt. We will have more virtual, maybe Zoom meeting interviews with our candidates, with our applicants. So in a way, the recruitment might even start a little early for some folks. It's going to require perhaps more time management, more scheduling issues. And with ASHP also having virtual interviews at the mid-year meeting and such and virtual showcases, I think it just might be a little seemingly overwhelming for some of our applicants. But basically, they're in school and they've done some of these virtual rotations, these appies already. So I think our outreach will be similar. I think our promotion will be similar, but I definitely want the applicant to stress on the challenges of a virtual interview. Please don't think that in a virtual interview that we don't see everything related to nonverbal behaviors. We see what's behind you unless you have a virtual background to protect the the messy office that's behind me right now. We basically have the, and I realize that we're doing a podcast, but the virtual backgrounds can be your friends, not necessarily your enemy. However, please be mindful of the nonverbals that you're not not being seen. And that's important. It still takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of energy mentally to read nonverbal signals and things like that. So and I'm... a psych person. So I'm looking for information that's not just verbal when I'm interacting with someone. I'm looking for the eye contact, even if it's a virtual meeting and their eyes aren't averted to looking something else up or reading something else. I I find myself noticing that with students who don't turn on their videos because of one reason or another, they're afraid to engage with the video. That cannot be the case with these interviews. So the interview requirements are there. And once again, maybe the virtual Zoom meeting type environment will not be as easy as everybody thinks it is, but I think we're all getting experience with it these last six months. And our comfort levels are definitely improving with the virtual interview opportunity. So in a reality, you may be able to access more programs and do more interviews virtually because Now you're not dropping $500 on a plane ticket to go see one or two sites. So it might increase, it might increase the number of programs that you're interacting with because of technology. Yeah, and I I would agree with that statement as well. So in terms of recruitment uh, for incoming applicants that you see, you know, prior to COVID, we would always participate in face-to-face recruitment at ASHP. We would do PPS interviews um, for PGY2 programs at mid-year. And this year, all the recruitment events are going to be held virtually. Our program will be participating in the California Society of Health Systems Pharmacy Residency Showcase in October. We will have a residency open house that's occurring in November by Zoom. And we're also going to be participating in the mid-year and PPS again virtually. Our residency website will be adding a virtual tour. So that's something that we normally would have done if you had come and interviewed with us in person. We'd give you a tour of the facility. So we're going to be uploading a virtual tour for uh, residency applicants 
um, so you can get a sense of what our facility is like. And we've also already uploaded video vignettes from our current residents, allowing you an opportunity to kind of hear what they have to say about themselves and why they chose UCSF. The application cutoff date is going to remain the same. It typically occurs at the end of December. And applicants who are invited to interview will participate in Zoom interviews, both for PGY1 and PGY2 residencies. I think I'd like to add um, onto that and the fact that um, for our program, I think for many programs across the country, I think it's opened up other avenues to for us to explore other organizations for recruitment in a sense that in the past we recruit locally. Um, we re- recruit through the state association, which has a big meeting. And then obviously ASHP is one of our bigger opportunities. Uh, we may hit a national meeting at another organization, but those are the, we're in the past what we usually do. And a lot of that has to do with financial costs as well and utilizing uh, the personal placement service, so PPS. However, since so many of these residency programs like the other speakers have talked about have gone virtual, we're able to get um, from the comforts of our, our offices or our uh, institutions can reach all these students and, and candidates we've never reached before at their state association meetings um, for minimal costs. And so I think it's really helped us maybe reach more students prior to the SHP meeting and allow us to increase, hopefully, our networking with those those students, as well as maybe even increasing applications. And I agree with Jose was saying about applications may be increasing because you can, if a lot of the interviews are virtual, you may apply to more programs in the past I've said this before in relation to the AMCARE practice and, and not engaging patients face-to-face. I think the Residency Showcase loses some opportunity for students to connect with programs, but I think most students have kind of adapted to that virtual environment, um, and it's natural that you're going to have some connection in what you're, what you're saying to programs and what you as the program is trying to convey. However, I feel like it is an opportunity for us to speak in a more controlled and more quieter environment in that virtual environment versus being in maybe a large room for a showcase. And I think it does allow us opportunities and some advantages. I believe uh, many programs and including our, are probably going to screen applicants in a virtual phone interview process more than we've ever done in the past. And if on-site visits occur, those visits will probably be shorter or smaller in number um, than have been in the past. Um, a lot of things are still changing as far as how interviews will will happen as the season begins because we're still you know, learning about what, what our institution is going to allow us to do as far as on-site interviews. But as programs are getting creative, so with social media and things I'm seeing across the board, which is very exciting, you as a candidate, um, as a student uh, candidate, may need to be creative in how you market yourself as well. And while this is going to be a big challenge for students, I appreciate that you guys as program directors brought up some possible advantages of this situation and how we can really leverage um, this situation in the best way possible. Yeah, I would have to agree. Thank you for sharing the valuable information in regards to the differences with uh, residency recruitment. It's definitely cleared up a lot for us as students. So as the number of students have experienced changes in their rotations, their internships, and different work environments, there is a growing concern about their ability to stand out given the challenges of the times. How does your program plan on accounting for some of our learners who may have been impacted by limited clinical or research opportunities during their last year? 
So I'll say that this has definitely impacted students uh, nationally. It's not uh, singular to an institution. It's affected uh, students at our institution, uh, definitely affected students at other institutions. Uh, many learners have had a reduction in the total number of patient care hours, but still meet the number of hours needed for graduation. Uh, and it's important to remember the fact that COVID has affected students nationally and how each student has adapted in order to carry out their assigned clinical duties is really what we care about. The skills of the entering resident pool, the qualities that we look for, you know, communication skills that are strong, demonstrating self-initiative and or leadership, clinical ability that allows the student to perform competently, and that's consistent with passing the state and national board exams, service to profession or community service, and interest in teaching and interest uh, in research or creative projects that have helped to grow the health profession. So these are the same qualities that we've always looked for. Those qualities don't change, you know, because of the fact that we have a pandemic, but we absolutely recognize that each student's individual experience and how they've been affected by COVID will differ. And programs are aware of this adversity and will absolutely take it into account in their applicant screening and in their interview process. And I think every institution is going to be different. I do think because of the nature of some of the early learning experiences for this group of graduating students that um, so there'll be some emphasis maybe on those letter recommendations even more because those those things will we're going to have to gauge on what experiences they had and what are their qualifications of, of that applicant. Um, and not necessarily less on experience, but on the fact that a lot of the college's pharmacy moved many of the learning experiences that are heavy in uh, areas that are attractive to programs to the spring, I think there should be some, there will be some emphasis on those being important, even though they've not had them yet, recognizing that those things will be coming in the spring for a lot of students. Um, but just like the other speakers have been talking about, and we're going to examine the whole portfolio and everyone, like, like I absolutely agree, everyone is in the same boat and same circumstances. Um, and so we kind of recognize that and we're not trying to change our processes in any way. We're going to look at them all the same. But I will say if opportunities for you to present a virtual poster come up, those things may have more weight than they've had in the past because there may be limited opportunities for students to do those types of research projects. So there are ways as a candidate that, that this may be an opportunity for you to expand your ability to be more attractive because of the nature of what's going on um, in our in environment. I would definitely echo what, what Ben and Kathy have said about that. I mean, this has affected everybody nationally. So folks, students, the playing field has been equalized. That is not like a particular college got away from avoiding the COVID issue or got away from the issues related to virtual rotations, appies, that sort of thing. But what did you do with that information? Um, so like Ben said, in the last six months, I've had many students present virtual posters. The annual meetings took place. They just took place in a virtual format but there were posters presented at those things. My students are scrambling right now today to get the deadline for tomorrow for ASHP posters for students and such. And the way I would look at it is that since we're aware of these challenges and these barriers that occurred, 
did you throw your hands up in the air and say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I can't do anything. Or did you embrace that challenge? What was the story of some of your appies the last couple of months before you graduated? Or what was the story of the appies in the last four months? We're dealing with COVID. So many of my students' posters and case reports have a COVID aspect of it. The, the dealing with COVID in a psychiatric patient. Did the medications that they were on affect their rate of infection or their risk factors and things like that? So I really want to hear some of the stories from these applicants in their interviews about the insights that they acquired, how they adapted to the situation. And I'm going to see some problem solving skills there, aren't I? So in that regard, did you separate yourself from the pack when the pack had the same challenges that everybody else had? So did you continue to embrace the opportunities to present posters, even if they're virtual posters? Did you um, now be given a clinical challenge of a COVID patient with a comorbidity? And does that make for an interesting case that you can turn into a poster in the upcoming meetings and things like that? So I definitely want to hear the stories from the students, and that will help me separate them because I know everybody had the same challenges. So don't think that a particular group of students from a particular place had an advantage over others. Um, we're looking at hopefully the, the best of the best in these applicants and this problem solving and this ability to adapt and embrace whether it's technology or different learning environments or different patient care challenges. I'm actually anxious and, and eager to hear some of these stories on what they did. Thank you. Thank you guys. It's encouraging to hear those perspectives as a student. In closing, everyone has been impacted by our environment by continuing to adapt and move forward. Residency applications and interviews are exciting, but also stressful. What advice do you have for prospective candidates planning to apply this year or considering residency in the coming years? I think the profession of pharmacy has moved forward very quickly because of our unique position as healthcare providers. And so in this environment, despite the challenges, you should be very encouraged about the opportunities your residency will provide you. And so I, I encourage people to apply to residency. As far as some advice for those applying, pay attention to what the programs are asking you to do during the application process. There may be some differences from previous years. So always ask that. Just relax and be flexible through this whole process. We're all going through the same struggle. So we're, we're asking you to be flexible. You should also know that we're going to be trying to be flexible as well. And then it's completely okay to ask for guidance, um, please. Um, I think we'd rather you, as a program director, I'd rather you ask me questions to make sure that you understand the process as, as best as possible so that there aren't any confusion. So those are some of the things I would share as some advice for those who are either wanting to apply for a residency or, or considering that process. Well, I think Ben was reading my mind on that word flexibility because I'm a big fan of that as well. So please be flexible and be flexible and accommodating with the technology and the scheduling issues that may occur. It's now going to be maybe harder to coordinate two, three, four or five people for various meetings. Even though we might be doing more things from home or from different settings, in my opinion, in some ways, the workload has increased. The responsibilities have increased on our students when it comes to 
scheduling and virtual meetings and such. And technology occasionally fails us. So be ready for that. Exercise good time management. Give yourself plenty of time. Don't get behind on your communications and documentation. Like what Ben was saying, maybe some things have changed. Maybe that documentation requirement is going to change a little bit. Maybe the timelines might change a little bit. Please don't get behind on those things because you're spending more time at home and binge watching Netflix instead of working on your residency applications. Okay, so that's a very good thing to do. Um, preparation for interviews is the same as it always has been. You might even want to practice with somebody. You might want to think about, and like, like Ben said, you want to learn about the program you're talking to. You don't want to be surprised with certain questions and you don't want to be surprised about who you're talking to. Do your homework, learn about the institution you're applying to. All right. Ask meaningful questions. So prepare for those interviews as you'd have prepared for a live interview. Okay. Be aware of that. And do your best to maintain enthusiasm on those Zoom meetings, on those virtual meetings. And once again, I am still watching your nonverbal behaviors as well. I'm looking for that red solo cup behind you on the table from the night before. So please be mindful of your environment in these virtual meetings as well. Okay? Thank you. Well, great advice from both Dr. Gross and uh, Dr. Ray. You know, in addition to that, I think the hardest thing that I find is there's students kind of, you know, there's students who inherently are, you know, have been going after things and opportunities and there's students that may have struggled a little bit more because of things that are related to the pandemic, maybe their own personal, um, you know, family member that may have been personally affected or something of that nature. And I just really want to encourage and support students who may have suffered more adversity and remind them to stay the course and remember why you chose to pursue pharmacy. Um, because at the end of the day, when we talk about residency, when we talk about fellowships, it's all about going after your personal goals and uh, you know, recognizing and surrendering to the fact that learning is lifelong. I mean, whether you choose to do a residency, a fellowship, or, or something else, it, go straight into the workforce, learning is lifelong. So you're still going to be pushing yourself. You're still going to be learning. And we really do live in a time of much adversity right now, not only with COVID, but a desire for equal care for vulnerable populations and healthcare access and affordability. And so there's a real need and a real role for uh, residents and fellowships to, to advance um, healthcare, I think. You know, I encourage students to explore a wider variety of postgraduate opportunities, not just the traditional PGY1 general pharmacy practice, but also things like, think about a residency with an HMO, think about residencies that may be specific to certain areas you know, Indian health services and things like that, not just in your own backyard, because it really is not only just a, a benefit to you, but there's a benefit here, you know, to our nation that comes with having pharmacists who are going, you know, continuing with training, continuing with skill building. And I'll just say that that residency year is packed. It is really packed and it pushes you uh, and some folks may say, well, I don't want to be pushed like that. I've already been pushed. I've been pushed by COVID. I've been pushed by 
virtual learning, but recognize that that feeling of being pushed and that concentrated learning experience that you get with a residency takes many years. We say we equate it to about three years of actual practice experience, but the fact that it's all organized into a nice program for you where you're having responsibilities that are clinical, you know, teaching, research, um, operational, it really is a powerhouse of skill building that occurs in a very tight, concentrated time of one year. And it, it, you know, when I got, I'll just say my own personal experience as a residency director, I, you know, a prior residency director, because again, I'm not the current residency director, but, you know, for 16 years of training residents, I can tell you that you come in, you may have a lack of confidence, perhaps, you may doubt yourself. Well, I don't know. I was a student on that service yesterday. How can I be the resident on that service today? Because I haven't changed, but you have changed. Because at that point, you're the licensed pharmacist, or at least within the first several months of the residency, hopefully by October, you're the licensed pharmacist. And so you don't realize it. And it, you know, it may be a little bit of baby steps uh, along the way, but that change that's taking place, it may not be self-evident day by day, but by the time you begin and the time you end, you literally are at the top of your game. You are, you have mastered so many skills and so much knowledge that coming out, you feel empowered and you feel gratified. And I wish that Uh, truthfully for all students, regardless of the path that you take, I wish that you have a, you know, a beautiful career and feel gratified and impactful with the choices that you make. And so, you know, that's my wish. Thank you. Great. Thank you so much. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank Dr. Kathy Dennehy, Dr. Ben Gross, and Dr. Jose Ray for joining us today to discuss residency recruitment during COVID-19. If you haven't before, I encourage you all to check out ASHP Student Resources and specifically the Student Information Resource Center on the ashp.org website and ASHP's recent publication, Get the Residency. Be sure to also check out the Student Connect community where you can exchange ideas and advice with your peers. Thanks again for tuning in for this session of Student Perspectives. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation and be sure to subscribe to ASHP Podcasts through your favorite podcast provider. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.